This is Team Business Podcast. Team Business uncovers the everyday entrepreneurs why, how, and the road to now. With hosts Mike Fusco and Ray Ramirez. Join us to learn how game-changing founders act on their vision and build a team for success. And now, here are your hosts, Mike and Ray. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining Ray and I on another episode of the Team Business Podcast. Episode 17 is a good one. We're really excited to introduce our guest today and uh, in the world of data and data analytics, hot topic, man, these days, and companies really want to wrap their minds around it, huh? Yeah, crunching numbers and uh, how to project the future, I guess, especially with the pandemic. Quite a task. It is. And the guest we have today is a, just brilliant, brilliant when it comes to understanding it and uh, her background in math and teaching and PhD, and she's super smart and impressive. So we're glad to introduce her and have her on board. Ray, what do we got? Two of the four Final Four teams in? We got... Uh, the two seed Houston Cougars and the one seed Baylor Bears, huh? I know. I can't believe that. Well, I mean, not that Baylor, but the Houston. I was like, wow. Houston? Yeah. Yeah, I think I had Ohio State in that region and they just choked. <laughs> For all our buddies at Bold Penguin, what happened, man? Um, <laughs> I think Gonzaga moves on tonight. Oh, yeah, for sure. Who's I, Michigan play? Not sure. After uh, Dang it. Texas was out, I just stopped oh, watching. SC. <laughs> I think Michigan plays SC. That's going to be an interesting one. But, uh, Talking about today, Ray, uh, what type of topics do you think we'll cover with our guests? Um, and what do you think we'll uh, be able to introduce to our audience today? Well, I mean, just as I said at the top of it, it's like as far as analytics, how they apply to a business's uh, projections and forecasting. I mean, especially with uh, every, I mean, that's the million dollar question. And how do you do that while we're going through a pandemic? Yeah. And, you know, companies, you know, to be able to set your, your key KPIs, your key performance indicators, and to measure those KPIs is a lot of companies just don't know how to do it, especially in the smaller space. But uh, our guest works in the larger space, and she, her clients are large biotech companies throughout Southern California and beyond. And she just, you know, she helps them analyze their data, measure their data, uh, predict, predict and analyze and that's a big thing going going in in today's world, man. Yeah, definitely. Data runs the world. Data rules. So we're going to have a brief intro here, and Ray and I will be back to introduce our guest and talk a little more on the Team Business Podcast. Thanks for joining. Team Business. Without further ado, Andrea Yoder-Clark is going to join us today. She's the CEO of Predictive Portfolios. Ray, Predictive Portfolios was founded not too long ago, man. I mean, to take the leap in a uncertain time. Uh, although Andrea has a lot of background in in the field, and I think obviously her, her yeah her confidence levels and you know being known in the industry is was already there for her. But uh, what are you going to ask her today, man? What types of things do you want to learn? Uh, well, I mean. The world of analytics. I just, I just want to see exactly uh, get a better understanding of her, uh, her, her role and, and basically t- types of clients she serves. Um, I know that she, uh, on the surface, I know she deals with some big biotech, but I don't think she's exclusive to that. No. Nope. Yep. Um, 
and sure. just quite quite frankly, the extent of her services, uh, I mean, predictive portfolios, how that come together. <laughs> yeah, I love to know. Like, I'm gonna we're gonna ask how the name came about. Um, Perfect. Maybe what challenges she had starting the business. How did she? How does the team work in a COVID environment? Um, you know, moving from an office type environment to, you know, virtual. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big that's a big challenge for business owners. And, you know, really just about her background and, you know, how she got into the, the world she's in today. That's all stuff that we'll ask so that our audience can learn and enjoy. Yeah, just uh, just have a better understanding of her value she offers to the market. Yeah, so thank you, everyone. Uh, we are going to be back here in about 10 seconds, and Andrew is going to join us. Thanks for listening in. Thank you. Team Business. Thank you, everyone, for joining Ray and I on another episode of the Team Business Podcast. This week, we're delighted to welcome Andrea Yoder-Clark. Andrea, how are you today? I'm doing really well, thanks. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, excited. Yeah, Andrea has quite the resume. We were just uh, talking about it, but um, we were wondering maybe for our audience at this point, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and uh, you know your cu- current company and the role you play. Yeah, so um, currently I am CEO of Predictive Portfolios. We are a data analytics firm that works with all levels of companies to help them better optimize their business data. So anything from marketing analytics to sales analytics to um, uh, supply chain analytics, anything that makes your business function, we help you optimize that. Um, and how did I get here? I actually took a very kind of circuitous path being a small business owner. Um, I started as a teacher in another lifetime ago and then, um, actually a math teacher and then went on to, um, work in the university and then went on from there to start my own company in 2009. And so I've been doing this work for over 10 years, um, slowly built up a strong presence in the nonprofit and uh, education community in San Diego doing data analytics work. And then in the last couple years, since 2017, um, I've been working in the private sector. So, um, mm. yeah. So before we get into uh, the founding of your company, the the actual, like, I mean, obviously you're in uh, expertise in analytics and whatnot. It's kind of easy to see where you got your name of your company, Predictive Analytics. But as far as the clients you serve from that standpoint, what's your typical client profile? Yeah, so right now we're working with um, ResMed and BD Biosciences in LA, so pretty large enterprise level organizations. But we've worked with every size organization out there. And I think one of the things that I've seen, especially since COVID, is that all sizes of companies now are realizing the benefit of understanding their data, needing to demand plan and forecast their sales at a level that they maybe haven't before, because a lot of our business assumptions and models broke during COVID. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So so we've been able to come in and help, but um, those are my two biggest clients right now. Yeah. Yeah. We know like data is just, that's a word you hear a lot, especially in the past year, 12, 18 months, everybody talks about data. So it seems like you're in a great business. Just, I think something that people get confused about now, do you use 
your own tools to analyze other companies' data? Or do you use their proprietary software? Or how do you like how do you put that all into one nice big picture for your for your client? Yeah, great question. So um, we actually can do both. It just depends on what the client prefers us to do. Some of my enterprise level clients are really concerned about issues of data security and um, things like that. So they want us to come and utilize their systems, whether it be virtually or um, give us a license to their existing system. But typically we use Python, we code in Python and then um, use Tableau, which is a dashboarding software to help display the data in a way that is easily understandable and um, allows companies to make business decisions from that data. We're really good okay. at establishing key performance indicators and then visuals to represent like, what are those trends over time? How do you know what's coming next? So, yeah. That's brilliant. So you can aggregate it all into one, one program basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we also have Tableau, um, you know, that we use on our side if our if our clients don't want us to utilize their systems or they don't have an open license or something. And then Python is open source, so um, you know we also have access to that as well. But so does everybody else. So yeah, not- yeah. <laughs> you have to know how to use it, right? True. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, prior to the creation of your current company, I, I knew you were with another entity for quite some time. What inspired you to just uh, open your own shop, open your own doors? Yeah, so I worked for a couple different companies in town before I decided to go off on my own, um, Intuit, Jack in the Box, um, and was yeah. you know doing some large scale data management, data analytics for you know those organizations which are pretty big companies. Mm-hmm. And what I saw um, after working for a few different companies of that size is that there was kind of similar challenges that everyone was having in terms of how do we integrate data? How do we best optimize that? How do we use it to drive our business? And honestly, personally, I felt like I could add more value if I was on my own getting to work with more companies. Um, I also just get bored a little easily. So it's more fun for me to have different projects happening ongoing um, versus kind of working on the same thing all the time. So, yeah. That's awesome. Always interesting when you start your own, huh? Yeah. But that's got to be, it seems like your math background kind of comes into the the whole data world, huh? Yes, numbers I and know. Numbers. Yeah, numbers. I've been, that's just what I've always been into. So it's yeah. slowly progressed across maybe a less than typical path, but I'm excited, you know, to be where I'm at today. Yeah. What type of challenges did you have when you started your own your own firm? You know, honestly, the largest challenge that I faced in the beginning was just gaining um, credibility with my clients. I'm a woman in a very male dominated space. And I typically got the response. Well, you don't look like a data scientist. You can, you know, you can do that. Like, you know, (laughs) so it did take a minute for people, for me to get a resume as well as, you know, just have enough projects that I had managed and contributed to that um, I built up credibility in the space. But, you know, I mean, I think that is typical for anyone, right? You need to build up credibility. People need to know who you are and what you're doing. And yep, absolutely. Yeah, reputation is king. Yep. It seems like it's worked great for you with the clients. Now, do you think yeah. biotech is is a natural fit because of our location or is that just an industry that you've always had interest in? 
I would say both. Um, So definitely San Diego, right? I mean, we have a million, we are like a a really great center for that happening right now. But um, I also think it has a little bit to do with just where the industry and biotech is as a whole, especially in San Diego. We have a lot of companies that have graduated from that like initial startup phase into, you know, really growing into massive organizations. ResMed is a perfect example. Absolutely. has been around forever, but they bought CareFusion here in San Diego and CareFusion, you know, became embedded into their larger ecosystem. So we're seeing that happen a lot now. And when they get to that stage, you know, when you're in the startup phase or you're a smaller company, you can get away with like maybe relying on your intuition for things like demand and, you know, all of that kind of stuff, developing your products for a while. Um, but at a certain point you get so big that if you don't have a good understanding of, you know, how much product you need to make to satisfy your customer's needs, or how long is it going to take you to ship it somewhere before your customers get mad? And are you like accurately, you know, estimating that time frame? All of those are examples of projects that we did for companies like BD and ResMed, helping them understand those questions. Wow. And, um, you know, at a certain point you can't, you can't wing that anymore. You got to really know. Yeah. You know? Sure. Oh stop, yeah. Got to stop the guessing game there. Yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I mean, math is something that's uh, part of your core strengths here. What's at what point in your personal background did you discover this is a passion in your life and you want to pursue this? Also a great question. Um, so I got my PhD when I was 30 and I realized that, um, which was, I'm not even going to tell you how many years ago, but <laughs> we're in five. At this point, and, um, we know it was about five, maybe four or five years ago. Yeah. Something. About that. About that. Yeah. Perfect. perfect. But, um, say a couple, but yeah. Good number. Good number. <laughs> yeah. Two, one or two years. Yeah, ago. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But at that time I realized I actually got to apply what I was learning into the world in a way that was really making a difference. And that to me was super powerful to be able to see the impact of how these skills could be used to generate interest um, in a company and or impact in a community if I'm working with a nonprofit. So, um, and really help those companies leverage their systems to increase ROI. I mean, as a consultant, that has to be my very first top priority. And, you know, going in, finding a quick win, demonstrating value quickly is what we do. And, you know, I love that process of being able to demonstrate value and contribute, give back. That's awesome. It must feel good when you can, you know, help a company increase their bottom line, right? Exactly. Yeah. So you mentioned COVID earlier. And of course, we'd like to touch, being that we've, you know, a little more than a year now into the pandemic. Um, what like type of innovations and workflows did you have to change in your business to, you know, meet the expectations of your clients during the COVID environment? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I have to say that's the ultimate anomaly, right? Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we really had to pivot very quickly and change some of our product offerings because, our two biggest clients at that time were also ResMed and BD, and both of them were very heavily involved in the relief effort as it relates to COVID. BD yeah. is the largest um, biomedical supplier in the country, and ResMed oh, wow. creates um, medical devices that have to do with lung health. So they create the respirators oh, wow. and all the things that the hospitals were using. 
And the day that President Trump said that, um, that, that he was able to get Congress to give him the executive power if he needed to do it to require companies to only produce products that would help COVID, all both of my hugest clients called and said, pause, we need to stop because, oh. right. They're like, we yeah. love what you're doing, but pause yeah. because if we have to change all of our factories to only produce one thing, that could cost us millions of dollars and we don't know, you know, what's going to happen after that. So I had to think really quickly and um, what we did, we were on a particular pathway solving a couple different really key problems for the organization and those didn't go away, right? Um, so what we were able to do is shift our focus and make the focus of our analytics around helping them understand the impact that COVID was having on their immediate business and meeting the needs of their customers. Um, so we, we did a pause on what we were working on before, but we came back and said, I totally understand that you guys are concerned right now. It took about a month for everyone to calm down and realize yeah. that we probably weren't going to go into that, um, that level of, um, relief effort. But once everyone felt comfortable that we weren't going to go there, we said, okay, I know we were working on something that was important, but this is probably more important now. We could do X, Y, and Z for you to help you understand how COVID is changing your demand, how COVID is impacting your ability to get your products to customers quickly right now, and then give you better models that are going to be able to um, predict all of these things for your customers so that, you know, even though there are delays, if you can at least give them an accurate time frame around when they're going to get something, um, you know, that calms everyone down. And, yeah. you know, even though demand is drastically changing and for both my clients, luckily demand went up because they were servicing COVID, but what it went up in unexpected ways. So they had to sure. change their whole sales mix models and all their demand planning because different products were no longer selling at the same rate. So I can imagine just like a mad scramble, you know? Yeah. yeah, it really was. And luckily we were able to think fast and, and provide something of value, but yeah. Good for you. Yeah. That's an accomplishment. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And there's still our clients today. So we did. Yeah. Hey, good. you did a great job. You did a great... <laughs> yeah. But not to go on a tangent here, but those, uh, as far as those executive orders that the president can instill, I mean, those go back to war times of world war two. Yeah, defense uh, acts and stuff. Exactly. So, yeah. I mean, but typically doesn't the government just kick in, like, and to, I guess, make the company whole if they do an executive order of that kind? Yeah. So I, luckily we didn't so. have to go there. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It, yeah. It didn't actually happen, but yes, I mean, essentially Trump was given the power to do that if we needed it. And, sure. and luckily we were able to not have to go there, but yeah. Perfect. Crazy. Um, yeah, it's crazy. It is crazy to think about what went on. Yeah. I mean, over the last year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just I, we even kind of are trying to skirt those waters ourselves as brokers. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, as far as uh, particular, uh, particular portfolio is concerned, like, can you describe what a typical workflow day is for, for you? Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, we are in the the masses of people that are working remotely these days. Um and, you know, we've done that for a long time, but it is continuing here. The thing that it, I think is a little different is that um, most of my employees are also now working remotely. I did have an office and things like that. And we mm -hmm. shut that down to save money, right? Kind of yeah, like everybody sure. else. 
Um, but yeah, so, you know, we're jumping on zoom, like the rest of the world and into meetings, helping, um, companies understand where we're at in the projects we're working on for them and what the next deliverables are going to be, giving them updates on what we're working on. And, and then I'll go back internally and meet with my team to make sure that they're on track to meeting those goals and, um, set our priorities for the week and go from there. But yeah. 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 It's something that always interests me when I talk to business owners about their team. And you mentioned your team on the team business podcast. We like to talk about teams and culture and team building and how everyone kind of works together. You know, when you have an office, it makes it a little easier, right? Cause you see each other every day, you know, you go down the hallway, you see how everyone's doing, talk about the fam, whatever you want to do, but how did you continue to keep your culture intact while everybody's working from different locations over zoom. Uh, What types of things have you done to make sure your team still is going in the same direction? And how do you keep the new hires intact as far as the company culture and the direction of your corporate objectives? Yeah. I mean, also amazing questions. So, you know, I think we've all struggled with that over the last year to varying degrees. And, um, you know, for us, because we did do quite a bit of remote work before, it wasn't as huge of a leap as it might be for other companies, but we did still have that in-person time. And and now we have none of that. So I think it yeah. really, what I did um, as the CEO was really make an effort to be understanding and compassionate with all my employees, right? Like now we all have life interfering <laughs> on in a way that we, you know, had a way to separate a little bit differently in the past. Um, and so understanding that, you know, if a kid pops their head in the, in the zoom window <laughs> or, or whatever, like that's just the, cat, you know, cat filter. what it is right part now. Of, you, part of you let the cat yeah. filter go, huh? <laughs> and also kind of welcoming that on occasion. I mean, obviously we don't want that yeah. all the time, but if it's just an internal team meeting and there's yeah. you know, someone's toddler is like, Hey mom or dad or whatever, making an effort to reach out to the family in that way, right? Like, okay, I want to, I haven't seen your, you know, any pictures lately, which we would normally do at the office. So, you know, let, let me talk to your son or daughter for a moment or something like that. Right. So just being able to embrace a little bit less, more casual of an environment and allow for those things to happen and, and be understanding, yeah. allow for a little longer meetings so that we can have that connection time as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. That's great. It seems like you have a good, yes, I think if I had a great question for you, I forgot it. And now I just remembered. So I'm going to jump ahead of you here for a second. Right <laughs> so I would think, you know, in your industry, you guys are probably use technology pretty well. Yeah. I would think. So yeah. was there any technology that you implemented since the start of COVID that helped your company that we can give a, maybe advice to some of our listeners that are looking for ways to streamline or make their business more efficient? Yeah. Um, I mean, the only thing that I can say would be a lot of our tools are tools that may not be typical for everyone to use. Right. So we're using yeah. like Python and Tableau and right. things like that, which we were using anyways before COVID it hasn't really impact how we use it, but I will say, you know, zoom, which everyone's using and yeah. being able to, um, Part of what we do sometimes is facilitate workshops for companies, like with large teams of people. So we've definitely adjusted to be able to use Zoom in like, they have functions where you could create breakout rooms and 
because yeah, you know yeah. people can be in like a small group setting and then you can jump in and out yeah. of those breakout rooms to facilitate getting used to that i think was a, a game changer and i've gotten really good now at leading like large 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 workshops wow. in a virtual setting in a way where people really get value. We just did one with uh, a company last Thursday and there was probably 15 people on Zoom. Everyone broke out into their respective little breakout rooms. We popped in and out, kind of kept asking the questions that you would normally do as a facilitator. And we all came back together, debriefed at the end in the main room, you know, with the whole gallery of like all everyone's faces in the Zoom window. And everyone really enjoyed the experience. So, you know, I think it is possible to continue to do what we did before in a virtual environment, but um, yeah, I mean, getting comfortable with zoom, we all had to do it. Right. Yeah. yeah <laughs> now look, you're a pro at it. And last February, you probably weren't as good, right? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, lots so of now you have another tool in your, <laughs> in your arsenal, in your arsenal to use. Yeah. So for our audience, I know we touched on a lot of the facets of your business, what you, what you do, what you excel at, at, but just for our audience, can you listen to any potential clients, customers, why should, why would they, should they utilize your firm? Yeah. So I think we are really um, serving a niche in San Diego where, you know, you have your large scale consulting firms that do what we do, like your PWCs and Booz Allen mm-hmm. Hamilton and yeah. Gartners mm-hmm. of the world. But they're really expensive. And for a small, a small business, that is like completely out of the question, generally speaking, right? And so given that we are a, a small firm ourselves, we're able to adjust our pricing strategy to you know what works for the company. And then I think beyond just the typical consulting around, you know, we have a challenge with our data, we need help with it, we need to, you know, perfect our demand planning or something. We also put on workshops to help people understand how to build good data science teams or good internal analytics teams, even if you're not fully implementing data science strategies in your company. What kinds of analysts do you need to really optimize your resources internally? And then we can we build programs where we sort of we get you started and we train your internal team and then you can take it from there. And I think that works really well for the small business environment because you know obviously you don't want to depend on consultants forever but to get you started yeah. you know it's a really good fit that's a cool value add. yeah that's awesome yeah, yeah. Okay, you're teaching yeah that's, that's really good so i have two questions before we get into some fun ones sure. which Fred loves to ask uh so first thing is how did you come up with the name predicted portfolios i think that's really cool and second thing is what's next for the company where are you guys going in 2021 and beyond Yeah, great question. So um, we came up with the name. Obviously, I wanted something that was like easily searchable on Google. So predictive had to be in there somewhere. And then portfolios, I really liked that component because it represents the kind of wide variety of services that we offer. We're not just consulting on, you know, a data project. Like I mentioned before, we have a portfolio of services in addition to our typical consulting around, you know, corporate workshops corporate trainings, even like, how do you think about developing good KPIs for your company that are going to drive the needle, right? Um, What would be meaningful? So, you know, a suite of resources in in that capacity was the second part. And then um, in terms of where we're going in 2021 and beyond, um, we've just developed this great new program, which also came out of COVID actually, uh, called the Data Apprenticeship Program. 
And I'm also a professor at USD. So, and I teach in their business school in the data science mm. program there. So I have access to these really amazing students that are just about to graduate. And I teach the final class before graduation where we partner with companies that want to donate their data and they do a project for that company pro bono. And then it gives them great, you know, real world exposure. So That's the awesome. data apprenticeship program is um, a way to extend that experience and or kind of have us come in, help you hire a data science, um, you know, like recent grad, but yeah. make sure that they are delivering value quickly. Because that's the hardest thing, especially if you don't have good leadership in your company, is how do you get them trained and ready to go so that you're really getting your money from this hire? So we've done that both Brilliant. with DD and ResMed, and they've hired both of the folks after six months. It's been a great experience for everyone. And um, I think it's great for the students, too, because everyone gets yeah. to kind of try before they commit to the the full-on experience you know that's really cool it's a offer you've given them an opportunity you know that's a win-win yeah yeah big time yeah so now the fun question yeah now ray's gonna right. okay now uh, <laughs> <laughs> well i mean the first one's pretty easy there, I, I think it's it's uh if you weren't doing what you're doing now as a profession your passion what do you think you'd be doing otherwise I probably would be teaching at the university full-time. I teach part-time there right now. And I love, I love getting to work with students. It's really fun for me and getting to, you know, train them, get them ready to go on to their career. Um, the mentorship component of that is really fun. So, yeah. yeah. That's cool. Not everyone gets a chance to do that either. So, yeah. Give it yeah. Back. I mean, you have to have That's a PhD, great. first of all, right? You have to have. Right. I do, luckily, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You have, to, you have to be smart, first of all. You that's that's yeah. a good yeah. um, Okay, here's a tough one. Well, other people think it's tough, but for you, it might be easy. What would your life partner or best friend say they most they like most and least about you? I would say the thing they like, I'm going to start with the bad news first and then we can go to the good news. But okay, I would cool. say um, like least about me. I do work a lot, you know? And so- yeah. My friends and family are sometimes really like, really, you can't come and do that right now. But um, so I think there's that. But um, in terms of what they like least or most about me, I think I make a really big effort to make like life fun and interesting. And, you know, we're doing new things all the time, stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah. got to make it fun, right? Like, yeah, regardless of what you're doing work. Yeah, like, right. You know, it should whatever. always be fun. It should yeah. always be fun. Yeah. Totally. The whole reason why we work, right? Yeah. <laughs> I work if it's not fun. Exactly. Perfect. Um, anything else? Or... Are you going to ask the, the million dollar question? Oh, the sports team? Yeah, yeah exactly. On, sure. Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah. So who's your favorite sports team out there? And how do you like uh, watching what, wh whoever that is? Yeah. So um, because I've been in San Diego now, it's, it is my home. I, I would definitely have to say the Padres and the Chargers, although we can't technically say the Chargers anymore. But yeah, we can't root for those guys anymore. Yeah. I know. They bailed on us. Yeah, yeah exactly. Us. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And now they don't even have a stadium anymore. I know. I know. Qualcomm has gone to. Taking that over. San Diego State, right? yeah. Yeah, which is good news, I think, for San Diego in general. At least we're going to have the Aztecs in there. Yes, I agree. Yes. It's pretty cool. cool. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Andrew, you were great. Yeah. Just, Thank you. We enjoyed the conversation. Yeah. Hope you did. Hope you did fun. as well. And uh, it. 
appreciate the opportunity for sure. Yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah, you for taking time out of your busy day and to come on and talk to the audience and to the audience. Thank you guys for joining us on this episode of team business. If you have any questions for Ray or I, or if we could connect you with Andrew in any way, please reach out to us. You know how to do that. And Andrea, thanks again. It was a lot of fun. You need yeah. to take care. Thank you. You guys too. Yep. See ya. Thanks everyone for joining Ray and I and Andrea. Thanks for your time. It was real interesting and we uh, enjoyed the time together. Remember to follow us on social media, YouTube. And uh, as Ray always says, remember to support local business, support local business. See you next time.